Welcome to Malcolm Reed's How to Barbecue Right, a podcast where we talk about barbecue, share recipes, and discuss all things delicious. And now, here's your host, Malcolm and Rochelle Reed. Hey, welcome back to the How to Barbecue Right podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm Reed, and I'm joined by my lovely and talented wife in our new podcast studio setup, Miss Southern Shell. How you doing? How do you like the setup we got? Uh, it's pretty cool. It is. We're across from each other now instead of being I side by that. side. That's really what I, I wanted is a across from each other type. It feels situation. more feels more like a conversation this yeah, way because I can yeah, look you yeah. in the eyes when I'm <laughs> mean mugging you. <laughs> I've got but to control the little board over here, so it's, it's going to take a little yeah. getting used to. So we were using this uh, Mevo camera. And it kind of captured all those angles from one shot. And so it was better when you were side by side. But now we've got some different. We uh, hired the professionals. Yeah, we hired we hired uh, 85, was it 85? 85 Creative. creative. From, it's a local Memphis company, videographer, extraordinary. I don't know what all Mark does. Mark King, he does a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's very um, sharp. But I want to get him on here to talk about all this equipment sometime. So sure. maybe, maybe we can talk him into coming on the podcast and we'll talk all about equipment yeah. that we have. But today, it's all about steak, right? Is that what we're talking about? We're going to talk about steaks. We're going to talk about cooking in cast iron. We're, first, we're going to talk about uh, your recipe of the week, the um, cast iron steak. It was. It was uh, how to cook a steak using cast iron. Yep. And um, a lot of people a lot of people say that cast iron is the best way to cook a steak. Now, I don't, I don't agree with that. Yeah. It's a great way. But it ain't the, you know, it ain't the be all end all. I can see where people, you know, say that because it does come down to personal preference. It does. And if you like, now, if you like a great crust on a steak, cast iron is the way to go. You're just not going to get it with grill marks, you know, like that. But I've won a lot of money cooking with (laughs) with some grill grates and some charcoal. And there's just something, to me, there's something about that meat dripping on hot coals that gives the steak its flavor. So you don't get that when you're cooking in cast iron. You're just getting the sear. It's it's melt. It's flesh on on iron <laughs> and searing it hot. And if you can do it just delicious. right, yeah, it's delicious. It is delicious. Uh, you don't need a lot of seasonings with it because yeah. I mean, really, in the recipe I did, I only used kosher salt and black pepper. Yep. I mean, I was, and some people say don't even put pepper on it, just salt. And some people say. Yeah. Don't salt it to the very end. Yeah. Um, I like the salt and pepper. I like the salt and pepper crust. The pepper does not burn. The salt doesn't burn. It just makes this wonderful tasting sear on the outside, like a crust-like. And then when you throw the butter in there at the end, throw some thyme in it, throw some garlic on it, the butter browns fast. The garlic starts browning. It gets all those flavors. The thyme gets in there. And you splash it all over that just bathe that steak with it. It's oh man. You know, um, one of the things that we uh used to do was actually brown butter and you would use it in a steak contest. Yeah, I would take it to the contest. Yeah, and um baste the steak with it when it was cooking or almost done. Um this recipe, cooking in the cast iron, allows that butter to brown while it's cooking. So it yeah. gives you that extra nutty flavor. Butterness, it's richness. I mean a lot of people think brown butter with uh, baking or desserts or something yeah. like that, man. Until you try it on steak, <laughs> it's a whole nother level. And that was something that you know we, I don't know, we kind of when we did a big steak test, we we got the a whole ribeye one time, idea. and we cut it all up, you know, cut it up in different steaks and tried them different ways, and we just got the idea we were melting butter. It why not? Idea. Why not brown it? Because I was browning butter for um 
brown butter rice krispie treats. Is that what it was? Yep. And I was like, you know, I bet this would be pretty good on some steaks. Yeah, and it is. <laughs> you were right about that. Um, so a lot of people were calling this a poor man's ribeye. I've never heard it called that. Um, Chuck Eye steak. steak. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it called poor. Yeah, poor man's ribeye. Yeah. Because okay, so it comes out of the chuck roll. Chuck roll is shoulder. Think of the shoulder area of a cow, and it. You know, they, they break out the big chuck roll, and the ribeye starts right behind it. So when they take the eye of it, it's kind of that centerpiece, the center mu- muscles that make up the eye, the centerpiece of the chuck roll. They take it and slice it, just the same thickness like you'd slice a ribeye steak. So it's almost like where the spinalis starts or the lip of the ribeye, and it goes down, and you get to the ribeye loin, the loin of the animal. Mm-hmm. That's where the chuck roll rolls off into the ribeye. And so... You know, depending on where so you get. So it's just a few inches above it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little bit above it. So it's really close to the same texture, you know, muscle makeup oh, yeah. as a ribeye itself. And it just comes off too. the chuck, comes off the shoulder. It's not in the loin. It's not in the high, the high on the cow meat, like high on the hog. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, it's really great. And you see them in grocery stores. Like I'll see chuck steaks, but they're always cut pretty thin. They're not, they're not marbled up very well. Yeah, yeah. They can be a little tougher, but, you know, it's still good meat. I mean, you could tenderize it and. Cook it the same way with a regular chuck eye steak from a grocery store. It's going to be good. Is what? it going to be way good? good? <laughs> no. Is it going to be homage uh. to? Yeah. Is it going to be? <laughs> is it going to be that moment? No. Because that's all the way good. Well, why don't you ever? Why don't you ever see chuck steaks on menus? Um, like when you go to a steakhouse, they have strips. They have. Just because it's they- a lesser, it's one of the lesser cuts. It's not what somebody thinks of when they're going to sit down pay a lot of money for steak dinner, yeah. they're not going to order a chuck eye steak, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it may be on there as like a house steak or something, you know, yeah. something else. I mean, they, you know, usually, usually they're not, they don't cut it a whole lot, very often to, to package or to sell in a restaurant. Is it, would you call it like a butcher cut? Yeah. Like, um, you know that's I mean? the only place you're really going to see it is, is uh, stores that actually have butchers where they cut meat. Because a lot of the, I mean, face it, a lot of the steaks we get, they come to the grocery store already pre-cut. They're not doing much meat cutting in there. Definitely not getting, you know, whole chuck rolls and cutting cutting those up into the various cuts. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, you, you know, you can get your flat irons out of there. You can get all, all kinds of different cuts can come out of the shoulder of a cow. Yeah, we got uh, to do that. Yeah, we got to learn that at CAB. And so, Super Low, the grocery store where I buy certified Angus beef. Mm-hmm. Uh, brand meat here close to us. They're the only grocery store in the Memphis area that carries it. They actually, they cut some uh, steaks there, and I see those chuck steaks there. Um, they're usually really thin, though. I need, I need to ask the butcher because I kind of. I mean, are they. I got a little relationship with those guys now because I've been <laughs> going in there and buying stuff. And they go, oh, man, we like the videos. And so I'll tell them what I'm doing. So I need to ask them. I've never asked them if they cut me some thick chuck steaks. I bet they would. Well, um, <clears throat> could you get. When you see those chuck steaks, are they marbled? Yeah, yeah, they got a ton of marble in them. Okay, the, the certified Angus beef do. Yeah, not as much as what you know Kevin's wagyu does. But yeah, okay, so I'm gonna compare because I got a couple more of those chuck steaks in the freezer. So that's a, that's a good comparison. Yeah, do a video on what something you can get at the store is versus that wagyu meat. Well, see if we can tell the difference on camera. Well, the thing about the wagyu is it wasn't that expensive. No. How do you get? How does he get that wagyu so cheap? So he's buying them and breaking them down himself. Okay. So he's buying, um, you know, wagyu probably chuck roll, 
getting the you know he's cutting all the different cuts out of it, and I don't remember exactly what all cuts. I need to get. I wish I could get Kevin up here to do a podcast and talk and about, or a video. Go down there, down. you know, going down there and do a video with him would be a great idea. Yeah, we could set it up and record it in his meat room, and he could show us those cuts, and we could capture it. That would be very because it's one thing like when we went to CAB and they showed us, and we were having part of it, but it's another thing to be able to stand back and just record. Or yeah, maybe we can go back to CAB and do it. That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I like um. I find it very interesting when someone explains to me, like, this is where the ribeye comes from. Yeah. It's right next to, it's hard for me to imagine it when you tell me that. But when but, you see it in the whole primal exactly. and then broke down and you can, oh, it's so, then you're it's like, cool. oh, you, you know, you know, you yeah. learned something. Um, so a few people had a few tips, I guess, and they were making comments. Um, Man, I hadn't even, I've been so busy today. I hadn't even had a chance to look at it since you turned it live. Is, it, is the video day. doing well? Is, it, is people I watching guess, it? I guess, yeah. Um, some people uh, said to try to crush the garlic cloves before throwing them in. They release a little more flavor. I could see that. Yeah. I, you know, I throw those in there. I mean, it does give you some flavor. I like to eat them. Yeah, they're so good. I would have tried to put a double. You know, a double the amount. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes you'll get a, a, a big piece of garlic, you know, mm-hmm. and it doesn't get cooked all the way through. It's a little hard on the inside. The smaller ones, whoo. Yeah, they're perfect. Yeah, they're perfect. That's the ones, like, the ones that, you know, a lot of times I cook garlic, I pick out the big cloves, and, and I'll chop up some of the small ones. But sometimes those get tossed, but that'd be a good recipe. You just save them for your steak, steak garlic. Yeah, yeah, the little ones, yeah. yeah. And a lot of people said that um, avocado oil is a good option, too. because Oh, is it a hop up smoke yeah. point? Yeah. yeah. I know grape seeds my go-to when I'm, you know, cooking high heat. Yeah. Peanut oil's got a higher one, but you just – the main point on that is stay away from your canola, your vegetable, your olive especially. Coconut, yeah. Coconut. Any of those that are more in the line of salad oils. Any any oil that you would probably want to eat yeah. mixed with something to make a vinaigrette is not going to be good for serious steak. <laughs> not at high temps. Yeah. And um, some <clears> people <throat> said that you wasted charcoal by doing that, but I don't think so at all. You can shut that green big, that big green egg back down. and Oh, yeah. Probably because I left the lid open. And wasn't controlling it. I, that, I, mean, I just want to get it hot. It's fast. I don't. I, I mean, you could put it. it I, I turned it. I, I closed it up and shut it off. I guarantee you, I can go back in there and sift those coals in that kick ash basket and relight them. How much is a bag of charcoal? I don't know. Ten bucks. <laughs> <laughs> How much could you possibly have used? I could have kept cooking. I mean, you know, I, I got a bunch of coals going in that thing. But yeah. I mean, yeah, you could have probably started a little bit of the corner and let the green egg get up, but you wouldn't have. Got it hot in the center like I did. Yeah. I think I could have put a vortex in there and put the coals in that and set the cast iron on that. That would have been good. Oh, put yeah. On the Weber. You yeah. can do it on any grill. The The whole point of doing doing the cast iron on a grill was to get it out of the kitchen so you don't get mad at me for smoking up yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does. I've done, I've done it before set off of the Dickham fire alarms. Oh, yeah. I've done it before I was, you know, I was like, oh, we got problems here. You had to open every, every window in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. You know, one way I like to do them, if I am inside, which, I, you know, in the wintertime when it's super cold, it's the only time I ever do cast iron steaks inside. But I'll do fillets, and then I'll oh, have yeah. the oven They're going. Good. And I'll just sear them like super thick fillets, not just a, you know, little 8-ouncer. I'm talking about a 12, 14-ounce fillet. Yeah. Two it's, and a half inches thick. As tall as it is wide. As tall as it is wide. I'll sear them just the same way in the skillet, and then I'll throw me some butter and garlic in there and stick it in the oven like on 350. And I'll let it, and I'll put me a probe in it, and I'll watch it come up. And that, that's kind of the steakhouse way of doing yeah. doing them, and they're really good. Um, 
And some people said that that was a Gordon Ramsay method. Oh, really? Yeah. Chef Gordo, huh? I like Gordon Ramsay. I do too. He does. He knows. I think he knows what he's doing. He ought to. <laughs> but really, that kind of makes sense. You know, yeah. it's definitely not my technique. That's what I mean, <laughs> I didn't come up with it. I've seen that done plenty of times. It is just a solid cast iron steak cooking method. It's not really. It's not really much of a recipe. No, it ain't a recipe at all. I mean, yeah. you could could you throw other yeah, you could throw some rosemary in there. You know, you could. You've done that before with rosemary. I did you? it with. I did it. Uh, I did same pretty much the same thing with elk steaks one time. Yeah, I used the Santa Maria attachment on a Weber, and then um, I don't remember what I seasoned the elk steaks with, but I cooked them super rare, and I had it on the Santa Maria, so I got the cold, you know, got the hot down, and I could roll it up to get it away from it and get it where I wanted it. But it's butter, and I think I threw rosemary in there that time. Yeah, garlic probably just splashed it the same way. I mean, it's really good. You know what I need to try doing that with is like pork chops. They would be good. I or saw somebody made a comment on that. Do a pork butter, garlic butter pork chop, with, you know, Ooh. the herbs and stuff, and then get the sear on it, and then throw it, heck, you throw it in a pellet grill, throw it in the oven, whatever you want. And yeah. Move it over off to the cool side, get you a two-zone fire and do that. Oh, yeah. You do can do that it. on the PK real easily. Real easy. Because of the, you yeah. know, the I bet shape. you can do chicken breast, too. Because any, anything that, that, so it almost it's almost like blackened, and kind of yeah. if you did it with chicken breast or something, and. You can throw some extra seasons on it, get a real good crust on it. You can do blackened pork chops that way in a, in a cast iron and then move it over and bring them up. The uh, pork chop really interests me. The big, thick, yeah, double yeah. cut, yeah, fatty pork chop, like a, like a Cheshire or a Compar, something special, not just a yeah. grocery store chop. That, that, that sounds You know, good. I'm going to tell you something else I just thought of. <laughs> That would be genius that way. Those little lamb porterhouses that that Mark did oh, for the Hernando barbecue contest that we did. Yes, on his little M sixteen box because you, he bases them with butter the whole time and gets it flaming. Man, you cook that lamb in that butter like that, sear it, and then get it over and let them finish up rare. That would be so good. Yeah, I'd be all over that. Um, and I'm not huge lamb, but those little lamb porterhouses are. They're good. Have I ever done a video on those? No. I need to. Well, I think you did, but I think it was a long time ago. Yeah, That's the one I need to. Time. I need to revisit that because those little things. If you're not buying those, and you can, you can get them, them at Sam's, yeah, you can they're hot pretty easily. You can buy them at Kroger, but they're super expensive. Um, going to search my website see if I did those. Because <laughs> I got my computer in front of me now and can use it. I got room. Um, That's a great. So I wanted to talk to you today about uh, cooking steaks and how you choose steaks and season steaks and all the different methods you can cook steaks with. Sure. I want to ask you some questions. I love steak. I (laughs) I don't even a shirt that says that. I I love steak. I think there is one in the uh, heart is like the steak. It's a steak, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, They are. So so what are you looking at? It was just a little herb smoked. Lamb porter chop. I'm just looking at them. See if I do. Yeah. Uh, this is. I'm doing a totally different way than that. Yeah. So, when you're choosing steaks, first of all, where do you source your steaks mostly? Well, if I'm buying them from a grocery store, two places I buy them from. Um, number one, I'll go get certified Angus beef from Super Low here locally. Why uh, do you choose certified Angus beef? Because it's better. Better beef. They hold. I mean, Certified Angus Beef is a brand, of, of, and they hold their Angus cows to a higher standard to get that to, you know, to fit in the brand. So it's like when they have these farmers growing those cows, 
they have to meet a certain standard. So when they take them to the cell, the ribeye, and the, you know, we've talked about it before. They have all yeah. these different 16, 13 points or whatever. They use ultrasounds to check the fat content yeah. of their cow. So they're serious. If, if it's going to be called Certified Angus Beef Brand, that logo that you used to see and I'm going to have it on the wall. I'm going to put it on the wall in here. But if you see that logo, you know it's going to be some good beef. Yeah. And so I go to Superlow and buy it. And I'll tell you what, the restaurants that serve it, and usually if a restaurant serves it, it'll be on their menu like the logo will. And I guarantee you those steaks taste better than other restaurants. You Unless can, they're like, you know, serve it Wagyu or something like that. Yeah, you can t- taste the difference. Oh, the certified yeah. beef uh, brand prime, man, it's awesome. It's awesome. But, that, but I can buy them at a grocery store, and they're not super high. It's yeah. not like it's expensive. Yeah, it's not I mean, like it's wagon. Yeah, it's their ground beef's excellent. I yeah. mean, I'll buy their, I go there to buy their ground beef. The best, <laughs> it's uh, good. Yeah, the best burger uh, shop in Memphis is Huey's. And they serve. And they, they use certified, certified beef. The Mesquite Chop House. Yep. The Steakhouse, they have it. Yep, there. you're right. And I don't know if they always did, but the last time I was there, I saw it on the menu. I was like, oh, we're in for it. And yeah. Got the big bone in ribeye. And it was awesome. They cut it with a fork. I mean, it was yeah. awesome. Um, but also get steaks from Kroger sometimes because I like to cruise the meat department when I go. Now, I don't get to go to grocery stores much anymore on this COVID crap. Yeah. But when I do, I always go by the meat department. And I've found uh, Kroger gets some pretty good beef. It's just straight up. Coming from, I'm sure, uh, Car- Cargill or whoever is packing sitting at the Kroger. But it's probably different brands. I don't know who all they pack for. But it's good stuff. I mean, it's, they got choice. They got prime. I look for the marbling. That's what I look for. Um, if I see steaks in there, I don't care you know, where it's at. If I see some steaks that's got some really good marbling, I'll buy them. Yeah. I bought them at Walmart before. Walmart's got an Angus line. Now, don't get that confused with certified Angus beef. Because it's not the same just because they put Angus on it. They put Angus on anything. <laughs> but if you look for marbling, thickness, you know, color, I don't want my steak to be all floppy and loose. So when you pick it up in the pack, you can kind of, I mean, I probably shouldn't, but I put my hands on it. I got to inspect it, you know. You get up in there deep. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want to buy something. I mean, you know, I don't want to buy something that's been sitting there too long. You yeah, don't know if, yeah. it, if somebody took it over to the toy department and set it back on the shelf and it found its way back to the beef department. That's a valid concern. I, I, want my, you know, I want it to be fresh. You know? If it's going to be aged, I'm going to do the aging in my own refrigerator so I know what it's like. But that's what I look for. You know, I look for marbling, look for thickness, look for color, look for feel. That's all things that are important. And I look for lo- I look for brand. You know, if I'm yeah. looking for certified beef, I want to see it. If I'm buying it from Kroger, and you know, I'd like to know what it is. But I, a lot of times, I'll ask the butcher, "Hey, what kind of meat is this?" and see if they know, or you know, and yeah. you, can, you can get those relationships with your people in the meat department. They'll, yeah, they'll tell you. And a lot of times, if you just be observant, when they're out packing them, you know, you go in the grocery stores and they got the boxes and the racks out, and they're stacking the shelves. See what it is. See what it says on it. Look at the dates on the boxes. There, um, some of them may not even know. They just may be stockers. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't always go for the stuff that's on sale, but sometimes you'll see some sale stuff that's really good. So, so you don't necessarily follow like the guidelines. Like if you saw something that was marked as choice, but it looked prime. Oh, I see it all the time. Yeah, Yeah, I'll buy it. I've seen, I've seen like at Kroger specifically, they'll have prime over there for eighteen ninety nine a pound ribeye steaks. They'll have their choice, you know, nine ninety nine, and the choice be just as marbling. Now, did they make a mistake? Putting I, it in there, or so. the, yeah. yeah, you I've never seen know. It before, where I've I'm like, that all the can't time. Be. I want to tell you something else. I do. I, I'll also go look at the markdown bin. 
I've noticed in my grocery stores, some like Tuesdays or whatever day it is when the sales are going off, they'll have or some of their meat over in that markdown bin. And it's not all too too aged for me. Some of it's just right. Yeah. And I've found some good deals that way. You know, I'm not I'm not scared to buy something that's been marked down because it's getting close to their sell by date. It's if it looks like it's still, you know, it ain't all green and gray or whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't I don't care if they're, you know. Especially if we're just cooking for a dinner, not necessarily something yeah. special. Yeah. Yeah. Um I don't always spend the most money either. I mean, I try to, I, I try to, you know, I try to shop. Oh no, I, you love a good. I love a good bargain. <laughs> <You love, laughs> That's why I like them fifteen dollars checks day from Kevin. <laughs> you don't normally. That that was my next question. We don't normally buy the Wagyu no. steaks. Only have, we, have f- we ever had a ribeye, a, a, a Wagyu ribeye that we've cooked? No, I've never cooked one. Yeah, because I've had them, and to me, the Wagyu ribeyes. Or the strips, or any other you know fancy cut, the no, typical steak cuts, aren't as good. They're too fatty. Yeah. There's too much marbling in them. The mouth, you can't sit down and eat a whole ribeye of that. Yeah. But the lesser, the where you, where the money, where you get your value in this wagyu beef, is the lesser cuts, like that chuck steak, like a Denver steak, like the chuck roast. I mean, all you know of the tri tip. Yeah. Stuff that's typically Ooh. not your. Your best cuts, or you know, what's 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 the high dollar cuts in a meat market? Um, they shine on Wagyu, so you can save a lot of money, and you can try Wagyu beef and get some really great marbling, and, and you're eating steaks that than, eat yeah. yeah that eat better than a choice or a prime ribeye. You cooked a um, Wagyu tri-tip one time, and it was one of the best pieces of meat I've ever put in my mouth. Oh yeah, I love really, Wagyu really tri-tip. Yeah, um, I've got the hanger steaks are really good. Yeah, we got some Denver steaks right some, now. I got some Wagyu Denver steaks in the freezer too that that I got uh, Brian brought me from Kevin's. Whoop, whoop. They're gonna be a video before long. They're I mean they're vacuum sealed in the freezer. I'll have to figure out what I'm gonna do with them. I gotta do something. Might do some Argentina style or something. So make a relationship with your butcher, and if you have if you're lucky enough to live close to Kevin, it's yeah, it's cold. Well, you, you know you're seeing some of that like uh, the Wagyu or the more marblings getting more popular now. Yeah. The stuff that Kevin's getting typically is probably Australian. I'm never. I'm pretty sure most of it's Australian yeah. raised Wagyu beef. But there's a lot of there not a lot, but there's companies in the United States that are crossing it with different breeds. So they're taking Wagyu genetics, mixing it with some Angus really? or whatever, yeah. like Hassel. They, I mean, you know, they've got a line. Their their line of beef is part Wagyu, and it's oh. their ribeyes. Now that's where a cross Wagyu uh, ribeye is unbelievable. It's not overly marbled. It's yeah, not, you know, yeah, there's yeah. not too much fat in it. Um, Strube used to be a big one that had some really good stuff. I've even seen some Wagyu in like uh, Sam's or Costco. They've had, you know, it's, it's not all the time, but I've seen it. I've seen it too. I was a little suspect of it. It's probably not the real, it's not, yeah. you know, the real, which none of us are getting like authentic Japanese. No. I've seen some of that. I have tried some of it and it's like, you just it's, want to buy an ounce of it. Yeah, it's, I mean, r- it's yeah. ridiculous. We were at... Um, it was in MBBQA. Yeah, at the big steak cook-off there, and there's a had, Japanese team that yep. brought some, I guess it was A9 or whatever the highest grading is. I don't know all the A it's ratings. It's all fat. It's pretty much, yeah, it's pretty much all fat. There's not much link to it. Those you cows had to be, had to be as happy as I am, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they really did. Just marbled up. You know I'm marbled up. <laughs> you be wagged. <laughs> I just need to start massaging you every night. <laughs> I already give you plenty of beer. <laughs> yeah. That's right. But that's the way it would be. I mean, and so that's. Instead of being marbled with fat, they're marbled with meat. Yeah. They're, <laughs> yeah. 
It, it, but it's it's good, but it's not something you just want to eat a whole steak dinner yeah, of. Yeah. I mean, to me, when it comes to eating steak, I like to eat a big steak. Yeah. I mean, I want to enjoy it. You know, I like a big ribeye. That's one of my probably. If oh, I had to pick best. a cut, it's the best. It's the only cut of steak I could eat the rest of my life. I'd pick the ribeye because yeah. it's got the best of both worlds. Oh, you know, nice. the spinalis that melts in your mouth. The eyes, the lean. There's not as much fat to it. You know, the the fat that's in between it. I like that. I don't throw all that away. I mean, it's, it's so it's the best cut. Well, what thickness should you be looking for in a steak? Does it depend on the application? Or? Um, well, personally, I like to cook steaks that are about 16 ounces, so about a pound, and usually they're about an inch and a quarter, something like that, maybe inch and a half. Yeah. Um, the thick steaks are cool, but they're, you know, I, I, they're not something you want to cook all the time. I mean, if they're specialty and they look good and all that. And, you but know, what's the, to you, what's the? Me, I, I buy like a 16, one, a 16 ounce steak is the perfect size for me to eat. Okay. But what's the uh, perfect, like, outside to inside ratio, you know, what thickness are you looking for to get that? An uh, inch and a quarter, inch and a half. That's what I ask yeah. for when I go to the grocery store. That's what I want or wherever. That's I'm looking you for an inch and a quarter, you, inch yeah. and a half. Sometimes you, you see these 10 ounce steaks and they're just too thin. Yeah, twelve ounces or borderline, but I, I mean, I like them. You know, when we steak state contest, say they're fourteen to sixteen. Sometimes yeah. they're on the thin side to me, depending yeah. on who cuts them. But I like a sixteen ounce steak. So if you bought a ribeye and had your butcher slice yeah. it up, you would say I would whole ribeye. I want more. to get them in sixteen. I want a one pound steak, sixteen ounces, about an inch and a quarter, inch and a half, something like that. For a typical ribeye, you're usually getting about eleven to twelve steaks out of it. Um. So when you season, let's talk about seasoning them. When you season steaks, what what are you, what are you seasoning? So it depends on what I'm doing. If I'm just cooking at home for you or for us to eat yeah. a steak dinner, we're just having a steak dinner, steak potato type dinner. I'm hitting it with AP and steak rub. That's it. That's all I put on it. I don't put any rub for color or none of that. Steak contest. I mean, I'll sweat some AP in it. It's I'll, a process. You know, yeah. I'll tenderize the crap out of it with, you know, uh, my onion slicer pick. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or jacquard. And then I'll come back and I'll hit it with a little hot rub and let that sweat in. And I may ground up some steak rub or TX or something and pop it with that when it gets done. It's all, you know, flavors, all this layers. stuff we're trying to get on it. Layers. But cooking at home, I don't do that. I'll throw some AP on it, throw some steak rub on it, let it sit out before I start the fire. I'll get my chimney good and hot. You know, it takes about 17, 20 minutes, something like that, yeah. typically, uh, for the grill. And then I'll dump my coals in there and give it another 15 or 20 minutes to get the grill grates good and hot. Scrape them down, spray them with a little cooking spray. Uh, let that you know, get good and seasoned on there. And then I'll cook my steak. So they've been sitting there sometimes 40 minutes. I'm not scared. In a contest, we would always go an hour before we were going to cook them. We would start to cook grill and we'd season and then we'd start the grill, and then we would, so the steaks would be sitting there for a full hour before we ever cooked them. That's if we went in and started cooking them at the beginning of the window. And what's the reasoning for letting the steaks sit out? Um, the the seasonings and the primarily the salt in it starts drawing moisture out of the steak, and that's the whole cooking process. You're taking moisture out of that steak to desire doneness. That's and, all it is. But the salt starts it, and as it's pulling the moisture out. It's pulling some of those other flavors in. So the salt, some of the salt's getting down into the meat. The other flavors are getting into it, so it's tenderizing it. It's, it's, it's you know dry brining it if you, know, you think of it that way. And what about the temperature? You've always told me that you don't want to cook, cook a cold, cold steak. steak. Yeah, I like yeah I like cooking a steak that's room temp because it cooks even. You don't have these spots in it. Or if you yeah. pull it straight out of the refrigerator, it's cold. 
you know, to me, that's that's how I've always done them. Had good success. I've seen different thinking on that though. Some people say, "Oh, you want to cook them cold because it's you know you won't overcook it that yeah. way. You're gonna get the outside cooked without overcooking the inside." Yeah. But to me, yeah, it's I understand that. I can see that. that yeah, that thought process. Yeah. But I like mine to be pretty even from tip to you know side to side. I don't like to be gray and then you know medium rare and <laughs> yeah, then yeah, gray yeah. again or whatever. I want it even. So a lot of times that comes into the, the, how you're going to cook it. And that's where if it's a real thick steak, it probably needs a reverse sear or something. But if it's the inch and a quarter to inch and a half, you can get your times down. And for me, it's about six to eight minutes total, depending on you know what what the grill's doing that day, what the humidity is outside. There's a lot of factors that go into that. Yeah. Typically at six to eight minutes, I'm going to be right where I want to be every time. And that's where just the experience Experience, comes in. yep. Knowing. Um, I don't know how many steaks I've cooked in my life. It's been a bunch. Speaking of seasoning the steaks, what about Worcestershire? Excuse me. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Worcestershire. Worcestershire. I do that sometimes. I put Worcestershire on them, a little soy sauce sometimes, depending on what I'm feeling like. I grew up eating Worcestershire steaks. There's been a lot of times. I mean, (laughs) and I love them. I went through a phase where we marinated everything. You'd, you'd take Italian dressing and mix Worcestershire with it, wish, mix soy or with steak? it, maybe some steak sauce, and put some seasonings in it. And then we'd throw our steaks in the bag, put all that in there, and let them soak in the refrigerator for a couple hours. Yeah. But, I mean, marinade's good, okay on steak. I mean, sometimes I do it, sometimes I don't, depending on what it is, how I'm feeling. Um, sometimes I just, uh, if I'm cooking at the house, because I've been practicing. I've yeah. been working on my steak. Oh, you've been cooking with Georgia up here lately. you got them down. But I'll put a little Worcestershire. You're not yeah. marinating it. I'm just rubbing a little Worcestershire. I've done that in comps side. too. It kind of so you put a little Worcestershire on it, splash it, and then take your fingers in a glove yeah. and just kind of rub it around, yeah. stain the outside, and yeah. get some of those anchovies. That I guess you like fish flavor on your steak. <laughs> yeah, get I that love guy, that fish. Get that fishy vinegar going on the outside of the steak's real good, ain't it? <laughs> and, and then put some soy on it, some fermented soy. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. I do. It. I've done it before. It's not my absolute favorite. If I had to cook yeah. a steak, You're just that was going to be one way, dry season. dry season and go. But sometimes, you know, there's there's times where you want something different. You want different flavors. Yeah. I, mean, I might do teriyaki steak. You know. Speaking of um, something different, I was going to talk about the different methods for cooking steak. So you got the cast iron. Cast iron. That's a great way. Gives a good crust on it. Yeah. In the oven. You can do it inside with ventilation or you can do it outside on the grill. It's really good. Yep. <laughs> um, or you can grill it over charcoal direct. Get well, you some grill grates, hot fire. I like. Well, I still, if I'm cooking in cast iron or with grill grates, I still want my grill temp about 500 degrees. That's my go-to temp. Five to 550. Don't let it get over that because that's where you'll start getting these um, bad. The, the The grill grates they get super hot. And so you'll get wider grill marks. You'll get a charry flavor once it gets over yeah, 550. Yeah, I hate that charry flavor. Yeah, and it just doesn't look as good, doesn't taste yep. as good. But so five, 500 is what you should be shooting for. <laughs> You're about to cough. I was a about minute. to. <laughs> <laughs> Won't you just turn around and get it over with? I might. Um, well, what if you Cold use beverage. it? What if you... Um, oh, you got something to drink. Yeah, I got something for you. What if you... Uh, Cook it without the grill grates over direct flames. Is that um, a, is that something? Yeah, I, yeah, just I mean, on regular grill grate, just on, on the grate that came yeah, with the grill. Yeah, I do that. Uh, I don't do that real often though. 
because I I'm just a, the number one accessory to me for my charcoal grill is a set of grill grates. Yeah, but you haven't always had grill grates. No, and Why I hadn't you? always cooked as good of steaks as I do either. <laughs> Once I found grill grates and then learned how to use them, it's I mean it's like steakhouse better than steakhouse. Yeah, because you, you I'll put do. my steak up against anybody's, you know, especially a restaurant. And you still get the same cooking over charcoal flavor. Yeah. It just controls it more even. You get better looking marks. It looks good. I mean, that's to me, that's the ideal way. I would tell anybody, if you want to learn to cook steaks, get you a basic charcoal grill with a set of grill grates on it. Get you an instant read thermometer where you can check the temps until you learn your times, and you're well on your way. And some You'll grill have, grates. And some, yeah, the grill grates. Yeah. You know, everybody needs a set of grill grates for their grill. I, I, I do agree with I'm that. not sponsored by I'm, Brad's my buddy. Yeah, I think, but I think he's got one of the best barbecue inventions that's come out. You know, you're saying if he ever went to sell it, you might be interested. <laughs> it's a yeah, it's a great thing. Um, somebody comes out with the next best one, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Mark told me there's some new one that's coming. It's like slanted to where it makes everything run down instead of in the trough. I don't know. Look, uh, kind of weird. I want him to come out with one that actually has the cross hatch on it. Yeah, yeah. That you can. It's a grill grate material that's raised up, but it's the hatch. And, you know. Well, you said something to Brad about it, and he said it's a issue with packaging. Oh, is that what or, it, what put it a together? Machining, machining yeah. was what he said. Because it's hard to cut a circle or out a square with out. Oh, yeah. With they that. can cut straight lines, but they the have laser. a hard time cutting a bunch of circles. Well, I've seen them laser machines. They can cut anything. <laughs> it might be more yeah. expensive. It may be so. I don't know. Cowboy style steaks. <laughs> What's your opinion on cowboy style steaks? Is that you talking about the cowboy uh, ribeye or like are you talking about just throwing them on the deck of coals? I guess they're called not cowboy pit, uh, caveman. caveman. I've, you know, I've never done caveman. it. Never had one. I've always had great. I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> what would you want? I'm going to do that. I'm going to see if maybe it'll be a fail video. Let's let's you try do that. It. Yeah, I got some I steaks to. in the freezer. Yeah, let's try it. But throw some. I, I mean, I do it on the egg and. And yeah. Get the get the roll the royal oak good and hot, and then get some get a blow dryer and blow the ash off, and then is that what you, is throw it, it down there? And every time I've seen somebody do it, and then they, you know, they'll they'll get that char on them or whatever, and then they'll throw it out and cut it. It's always like too rare for me in the middle, burn up on the outside. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Pittsburgh fan, <laughs> Pittsburgh steak, yeah. and you kind of like that sometimes, don't you? I don't, I don't like it too charred on the outside. Like I want it to taste. Uh, a good charcoal yeah. flavor, you know, like I need to see what it's kids, all about. But... I need to see what it's all about because I would have, I would have, but I like the rare, <laughs> you know. I mean, even though I use cast iron, I would have said, man, cast iron steak's not gonna hang with my charcoal steak. And then I was, I was proved way wrong this week with that steak video. I was like, wow. Well, we did the cast iron steak, and then uh, a little while later, you had two extra Chuck exact steaks. same steaks. Yeah. And you cooked them. Just, just straight on the green yeah. egg, yeah, without the cast iron. It was not as good. It wasn't as good. <laughs> was they it? were good. They weren't as good. But they weren't I think the basin on the butter. Did you get a, the, the brown butter and the garlic and the thyme? Because oh, all I did was throw them on while we cleaned up and then yeah. took them off. And they were cooked right. I mean, they might have been a little more rare because I didn't babysit them. I just kind of. Yeah. Got to run this board in. Got to wipe this down. They were a little more rare, but that didn't bother me. It was. They just didn't have the same I ate them on a salad level like flavor. The next, yeah, yeah. next two or three days, I'd get a little steak, put it on salad. Um, infrared heat, like a beefer. Um, it works. <laughs> you can and 
like so, this, you're talking like the the what the um, Bruce Chris style. Yes. You think of the super high heat, 15, 1800 degrees. Yeah. They throw them in there and it starts cooking the outside and they flip it and yeah, they work. Uh, that's how it I'm is my thinking. least. Well, I won't say least because I have, there has been a time in my life where I've cooked a few steaks on a George Foreman. But you didn't have that. Did you have George Foreman on there? I was going to say, I bet you didn't have that on there, did you? I've never had it. So I would rank it like George Foreman (laughs) being the worst. I've never done the caveman, so I don't know where I'd put that yet. But the the top broiled steaks, what that is to me, is, uh, I mean, you can cook them like that. They're just, they, I don't like it because you can't really season them. They say you can put salt and that's it on them. But if you go to putting seasonings and stuff on them, they, they burn because it's just such high heat. Yeah, it's like 1,800 degrees usually. I'm a low and slow guy. I mean, I've cooked some on the beefer. Had the guys come out, and they're good, you know. But The salmon was better than the salmon. Yeah, yeah. The sides and the salmon were really good. <laughs> yeah. but it's not as good as a charcoal steak. and it, I mean, it's not even as good as a cast iron steak. Oh, yeah. Um, we Everybody said how good Ruth Chris steaks were. Yeah. We went... That's been some years ago. Yeah. I haven't been back. 40. Was it my 40th birthday I went to Rich Chris? Five years ago? You know, that that's probably my first time to ever go there. I was very, me too, and I was kind of disappointed. But, you know, the best thing about it was just the, whatever, the juice and the butter and dipping the bread in that. That was good. But the steak was kind of plain. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't nothing fancy, was it? Mm-mm. So. I can tell. You know, another way, sous vide. Oh, I forgot about the sous vide. Yeah. But you got to finish them off with the sous vide, don't you? Yeah. I could see, I can tell when something's been sous vide. It's just, I mean, I can just tell the texture difference. And a lot of people swear by it. I don't know why you'd want to cook a ribeye in that. I could see cooking the lesser cuts in it, but something that takes a long, you know, the typically low and slow stuff yeah. that you could put in there and really. Or something without a lot it. of marbling. But a filet or something like that. I, don't, I mean, it, it works great in restaurant settings where they're controlling the temp and, they gotta, and they're got going to nail their doneness. But if you've got time to cook one over real fire the whole time i think it's better well you are a um, you could sous vide and then do it in the cast iron i know a lot of people do that and they swear it's the best steak ever but you're kind of a sous vide snob you're not a big fan it's just uh, it don't but i'm i mean i i get it you just don't enjoy i can boil stuff too <laughs> <laughs> crock pot's great you can cook a steak in a crock pot if you want to do i have had that crock pot steak i don't know i don't know if i've ever had that that's <laughs> I'd rank that down there below. I don't know. George Foreman could beat a crock pot steak. Is the George? I thought the George Foreman would be good. I've never had a George Foreman grill. Oh, it was a college. We had them in college. Yeah, I learned yeah. to cook pork chops in it. I could cook little steaks in it. I could cook chicken breast in it. It's got. It's on the slant with the little tray where yeah. everything drips down. And your mom still has. It's like, like cooking it between two. If you had, think of when you're ironing shirts. And you got two irons, and you just sandwich <laughs> something between it, and you cook it. Put some ridges on it. You got your, yeah, yeah. you know, you could. <laughs> you it gets cook cooked. It. Yeah, it gets cooked. <laughs> it gets cooked. That's a bad thing. That's a good way to put it. It gets cooked. So does probably six minutes in a microwave. <laughs> if you, <laughs> it gets cooked. That's a good way to put it. I hadn't tried an Instant Pot steak or air fryer <laughs> yeah. steak. I guess people do those, too. Um, I have. Brad you know. sent us a, a, a grill grade yeah. for our, what? what, what the Ninja Foodie. The Ninja, the food we food. hadn't, yeah. I gotta put that to the test. That's a good one to do an Instagram something funny with. Yeah. See if it works. Yeah, I'd try it. Yeah. I mean, there's they're selling millions of them, but. 
Um, I wanted to talk to you about toppers, steak toppers. Like when you go to steakhouse, the, the really nice ones have um, usually a, a little, little menu. Yeah, that you can get different accompaniments to your steak. Yeah. It's way to upsell you. Yeah, exactly. I normally don't fall for them. I do. Which one's your favorite? Oh, I like like a Bernays, especially if they really? have like a crab Bernays. If I had to put or a bone marrow butter. See now, I'm with you on that. That's the one I go for is a butter one. Yeah. If they got a steakhouse butter or if they got a bone marrow butter or some some kind of compound butter, yes. I'm all about it because I love butter on my steak. Yeah. And I do that at home a lot too. I'll have me a compound butter. I've even we even found this one. It's really good. It's like a store bought. It's a Lando Lakes, and it has garlic shallot. herb, yeah. garlic shallot, or something like that. Yeah, that one's good on steak. It is. It's like I mean, if you got time to make a compound butter, it's easy to make. But that one in a pinch will work. You've got but I go for recipes. those. Yeah, I don't go for. I mean, do I like crab meat with sauce on it on top of steak? It's okay. I'd rather have my crab on the side, <laughs> surf and turf style, yeah. than over my steak. To me, it's covering up the steak. If you got to put all that on your steak, or you got to put a sauce on your steak. Other than butter, <laughs> you know, it's probably not that good steak. You just want to keep it separate. I've had like steak Diane or Bernays or the, the uh, what's the Cabernet sauce where they yeah, do the red I wine. I like the red wine. One. I like I like the mushrooms and red wine and Worcestershire yeah. and soy and all that, but I like it on the side. Um, you know, it, and some I mean, I'll, I'll run my steak through it. Now like, it's it's better than putting you know bottled sauce on it. Yeah, like an A one. It's better yeah. than an A one. Yeah. Um, the other day you made a, you took some deer meat and made a filet, right? a filet steak with butterfly it. that turned into a big filet. Yeah. And then you had, um, you reduced some mushrooms and ladled a little sauce over that, that it was, deer. It was so good. It, it was very good. That's going to be a recipe. Um, and that's one of them testers, but it went, you know, really good. And you also like that surf and turf for the fried oysters. That's a good one from, but, yeah, but it's not really a sauce over it. It's stuffed. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. It does Chef have a sauce. Kelly English it. does, uh, it's a fried oysters. You have you, blue cheese. I, I did my copycat it, yeah. version of it, and those were, it was really good. But it's like a blue cheese dressing sauce, kind of. The oysters are tossed in, stuffed up in the strip after you cook it, and that's really good. Um, What's your favorite steak restaurant? My favorite one? I don't, that's tough. I don't have like, that's like a chain, probably Capital Grill. I'll agree with um, that. You know, every little town's got a, like, Como, something to be said about Como Steakhouse. Yeah, because they cook it over yeah, charcoal. Yeah, there's something to be said about that. Um, I, I've always had this thing where I'll judge, it used to be my favorite was back in the day, it was Lone Star, and it was a chain. <laughs> but you knew what you were getting. And it's like now there's one uh, Texas Roadhouse. Yeah, I was going to say Texas Roadhouse. You go there. Good. You know the steak you're going to get. I'm going to get the ribeye. It's going to always be cooked just, you know, the right way or whatever. <laughs> I caught myself. <laughs> <laughs> but, so I'll say, can you beat Texas Roadhouse? Not that it's the best. It's like par. Yeah, you know? it's like. I want to be wild, especially if I'm paying 50 bucks for a steak dinner. I want to be wild, but for my twenty four ninety five ribeye, when I get the free rolls, I get the baked potato and a salad. You don't have to buy extra accompaniments with it. And you get a boot of beer. And I get a boot of beer, a margarita, Texas margarita. <laughs> yeah. That's the baseline. Yeah. That's the, the state baseline steak joint, you know. 
And I'm okay with that. And I'm as okay long with as that. I know that's what I'm going. Yeah, for. I don't go yeah. to Texas Roadhouse and think I'm gonna have my Capitol Grill experience. Yeah. Or you know, I mean, I would say I've been to Texas Roadhouse. It's probably better than Rich Chris. That's you pay a lot of those state. Now, see, that's the thing with steakhouses. A lot of them you're paying for the atmosphere. It ain't that they can cook a steak that great. You're paying all the expensive money for the white tablecloth, the service. The, somebody not being on top of you. There I, might not be somebody I sitting at a bar way. right there by you. Fight ain't breaking out. Sometimes <laughs> I want to go to the fight breaking out road. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sometimes I want that. It makes you feel like you're at home. Yeah, it makes me feel like I'm right at home. I'm not a white tablecloth guy. Oh, but I like it. all these steakhouses I'm talking about, I think you that you once you learn how to cook steak, you can beat them all at home. That's what. Um, There's never been a time where I hadn't thought, man, this, you know, they got me. Mark Williams <laughs> has said that before. It's really disappointing to go to steak steakhouse now that I know how to cook. A now really you know how to cook steak. a steak, and I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. Once they learn how and they cook that perfect steak and they got it down, um, they just can't touch you. Yep. Because it's fresh. It's right there. You cook it. You're cooking it to now, your taste too. I will say this: even though I know I can cook a great steak, I don't enjoy them as much after I cook it. Even though I know it's yeah. good because I've been standing out there smelling the coals, the smoke. It's, you know, it's yeah. great. But when somebody else cooks it for me, oh, man, that's, <laughs> you know, that's how I can really appreciate yeah. it. You know, especially when they cook it as good as I know it, you know, it can be. Yeah, like, man. Yeah. And I've had that a lot, you know. Um, real- You've done that for me a bunch here lately. Yeah. Well, I've been, I mean, you got them down. Uh, you got your steaks down. Did you put your third place? <laughs> oh, there it is. I see it. Steak cook this is my wall. Yeah, that's your wall behind that's you. That's your wall. I'm still in the process of Decor- figuring out how you're going to have this thing decorated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's always a work in progress, but um, so that kind of wraps up the steak portion of the podcast. <laughs> We've talked about all the ways, <laughs> all the steaks. You got me wanting a steak now. I, I was like, hang on. Um, I think Texas Roadhouse is busy. We can always ride down to Como. If I've never it. been to Como Steakhouse. Como, Mississippi is this little. Small town, right off I fifty five. Before you get to Sardis Lake, yeah, and it's, that town's been there forever. I guess it was once a railroad town. And it, it was, I think, cotton. it was once yeah, it was a booming town. And the Como right Steakhouse the has been there forever. It's like one of those old fashioned small town steakhouses, and they're still doing the same steak today. You can go there, get your ribeye. It smells like whatever. charcoal. Yep, being cooked steak, it's baked good. potato salad, and get the. Get the mushrooms as the appetizer or the sausage and cheese plate. And you better get there early because they stay packed. Yeah. And people drive from all over to go to Como Steakhouse. And I, there's I, no I getting in. Um, for Como Steakhouse. <laughs> I just want to go there tonight. <laughs> and um, there's no getting in Friday night at 7 o'clock. No. But um, the Mesquite Chop House there in South Haven was really good last time we went. Yep. It hadn't been I was, too long. That was, that's the best steak I've had in a restaurant setting. And it might in, just in because we haven't been to one because of COVID. Yeah, and, yeah, and that maybe. was the first one. But, um, so I want to talk about cast iron cooking. All right. I've done a lot of cast iron yeah. recipes. Not just, not just steak cooking. No. Uh, Dutch oven is my friend. I use I it for a lot of stuff. Oh, you didn't? It's great there. for for braising. Um, you know, yeah. I've, I've cooked everything in it from uh, chili to, to beans to cooking a pork butt down for, you know, like – Mexican style tacos yep. or or doing a chuck roast. I've done lamb, like you know, broke lamb shoulder down in it. Oh yeah. Um, I think you've done um, short ribs in it. Short ribs, uh, cast iron is or great to cook. Oxtails. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, those are so good. Yeah. 
Those you are do so chili good. and yep. chili's great in cast yep. iron. Cast iron, I love cooking in cast iron because it radiates heat so well. So once you get it warm, it's easy to keep it warm, and it's um, for long cooks. Dutch ovens are just awesome. They're brazers. They're as good as wrapping anything up in a pan or full or anything like that. You can hold all of it in there. The lids fit down tight. Um, you can bake in them. There's, oh, you know, there's a lot of dessert recipes you can do. Cobblers. Like I've done a cobbler in one. Cornbread? Yeah, you can make cornbread you in it. You cannot make good cornbread. I can't make cornbread unless it's in an iron yep. skillet. It's got to be. My same old iron skillet. Now, I probably should have me a designated cornbread skillet, but that iron skillet's the one my mama gave me, and I use it for everything. And as long as you keep a good seasoning on it, cast iron's about taking care of it. Cooking in it I, and taking care of it. I agree. And that don't mean putting it in the dishwasher or getting it too wet and soaping it too much. It's about cleaning it out after you use it. And drying it back out, get a little oil in it, throwing it back in the oven or on the grill, letting that oil heat up, get the, get down on those pores and create that coating on it for you. And if you take care of it, it'll last you forever. Yeah. You'll pass it down to your kids and they'll get it from their kids. It's really, I mean, it's great. It's a great piece of kitchen equipment. Yeah. When I was younger, um, I was given some cast iron and I did not take care of it. It's rusted. But you know the oh, great yeah. thing about it, though? Even as bad as it gets, you can get it back a lot of times. I've seen some people, I've seen, video, I've watched videos of people recovering. Like they'll throw it in a fire and get it back, get it screaming hot and get it scrubbed back down, get all that oxidation off it from the rust and reseason it. That's part of it. Um, seasoning a cast iron skillet, that's something I had to learn. Yeah. Kind of the hard way. Because if you put too much oil in your cast iron skillet and put it in there, it'll get sticky. Oh, yeah. It'll get really, really sticky. So when you season your cast iron, you've got to, like, rub it lightly with oil and turn it so that upside the down. oil can drip. That's what I do. I put it yep. upside down on a rack, like, you know, set it in there and set a drip pan under it. Yep. And you know, it's not about high heat in your oven. I mean, you put it in a low oven and just leave it in there for hours. That's how. So normally if I get a new piece of cast iron, a lot of them will say they're pre-seasoned or whatever, but yep. that just means they have some kind of coating. I'll you know get I'll wipe it down good, rinse it with some water. If you do, you know, get it dry. A lot of times I'll put it on an eye on the stove, get it hot again, get it real hot, and turn so that make heat sure you off. Get all the water off. I'll, yeah, yeah, make sure I get it because that dry evaporates that water quick. Yeah, and then I'll put me a light coat of oil on it and stick it in the preheated oven. That's how I do it. So I, when I first started <clears> taking care of uh, cast iron and seasoning cast iron, I thought the more oil the better. You know, yeah, I'm gonna and get it gets gummy seasoned. in the bottom or whatever. Yeah. You know, the best thing for it to me is cooking it. Cook some hamburgers. Cook, you know, yeah. cook. I mean, anything you can cook like that that's got fat in it that's going to cook now it makes it great. It really does. Yeah, sausage. I've got one that I, a Dutch oven that I fry fish in or deep or fry hot wings in or whatever. And that one's seasoned so well because I've had hot oil in it the whole time. When I get through with it, I pour that oil out. I re- wipe it out real good, get any crumbs or anything that's off of it. Get it on some heat, rub it back down with oil, put it in there and reseason, and it's got such a good. It's virtually nonstick because of the, <laughs> because the, of the, the way I've cooked yeah. with it. And man, it's it's one of the best pieces I have, and it's not an expensive Dutch oven. I think it, I mean it's just a lodge I got. They're not expensive yeah. items, you know. No, they're not super. Well, they have some of those enamel coated ones that get expensive yeah, and yeah, stuff, yeah. and I like some of those. We've got uh, some Le Creuset. Yeah, that's you know I, I use it for a lot of stuff. You know, making casseroles or something mm-hmm. they, they work great you yeah. know but it, that's a different kind of i don't yeah. consider those my cast iron you know those are more of your cooking stuff or yeah. whatever uh 
So what's your some of your favorite things? Uh, grilled cheese. You cannot cook oh, a good yeah. grilled cheese sandwich unless no, you agree. have a cast iron skillet. And I have one that is completely flat. It doesn't have any sides. It's perfect for pancakes. It's perfect. It, it's the grilled cheese cooking yeah. machine. Mine, that's like, I mean, the, you can't cook without it. Biscuits and cornbread. I, you know, I'll yeah, put. Yeah, you're a, you like doing your biscuits. I love biscuits iron. in my mama's cast iron skillet. That's how she's done them. That's how I learned to do them. Cornbread's the same way. Cook it in cast iron. These people that put them in square baking pans or biscuits laid out on a flat cookie sheet or whatever. You, no, you can have all that. They need cast iron to get that good crust and big cathead biscuits make them blow up. <laughs> um, a lot of people fried think. chicken. Yeah, a lot of people fry chicken well, in cast iron. Like you, what you're My fish, uh, if yeah. I'm cooking fish indoors, it's always in cast iron. Unless, you know, if I'm cooking fish out for a bunch of people outside, I'll use, a, you know, the big fish cooker. Um, I cat- use... I use mine for Brussels sprouts a lot of times because you get a really yeah. good crunch on your Brussels sprouts. Throw a little um, bacon in there and get a little grease going and some onions and Brussels sprouts. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of something else that's really great with cast iron. You know, um, um, I have one that is... Baked beans. I mean, I do those yeah. in cast iron all the time. If I'm cooking baked... If it's not like for a crowd, like, you know, catering style, yeah. I'm always cooking my beans in cast iron. But catering style, I do them in metal pans. But um. Do you think? Do you feel that the cast iron gives food flavor? And I feel like it does with cornbread and and grilled cheese and stuff. You know, they say that if you're low on iron, you should cook in cast iron because some of it transfers over to the food. Oh, really? So I don't know if it flavor. I mean, I I mean, really? I know that it browns it better. You get better browning, and which a lot of times browning's flavor. Long you burn it, yeah, exactly. And so that helps. Yeah, um, you know. So that might be what it is. It's the browning effect. Because yeah. I don't know if it, you know, you could tell something, oh, this was cooked in cast iron. This was cornbread you could. Yeah. <laughs> and grilled cheese. Yeah, I feel like cheese, you could. Yeah. Um, you can have one of those George Foreman style corn, <laughs> grilled cheese cookers where it made the pocket or whatever. No. I always wanted one. Oh, no. My grandmother did. I thought they were the best things ever. It was like a little pocket. Yeah. And it would squish it down yeah, it and made... make almost like four triangles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, I never had one. Heck yeah. Waffle irons, they're, you know, cast iron. Oh, one of my favorite cast iron things I had growing up was my mom had this cornbread stick piece of cast iron. And they would make these little sticks of cornbread. You pour it in there, and they'd come out, and they'd have the little edges look like corn on the cob. Man, they were so good. I know, because of the you crunch. Yep, it got, it's surface area. It made so yeah. much surface area. You had it all the way around. It made little little. Did y'all have those? Tubes. Yeah, everybody. I've yeah. seen that. That's a popular uh, cast iron I hadn't, mold. I couldn't tell you the last time I've had one of those. Um, so how do you clean your cast iron? Well, now I have, um, chain mail. And if you think of like <laughs> the knights, you know, yeah, yeah, King Arthur style knights moving yeah. the chain mail, that's kind of what it's like a piece of that, like if they cut off some of his sleeve or something, <laughs> but it's just a little piece of chain mail you put in there and you rub it around and it cleans it. You can put a little coarse salt in there, like some kosher salt and you just rub it around. You don't have to put any kind of chemical or cleaner or soap or anything like that in there. It takes everything off, and then you can wipe it out and then get it warm and then oil it and then put it back in the oven and season it the same way, and it does really good. Um, I also have a brush. It's, like, made for cast iron. It's kind of a stiffer bristle brush for scrubbing. Don't ever use, like, an SOS pad or Mm -mm. some kind of abrasive scrubber or something. You know, use something that's made specifically for doing the cast iron. But most of the time. If you screw it up. I mean, you're gonna have to scrape it down and do all, get out, do whatever you can because it, I mean, if, I've I've done it. I've screwed cast iron up and then start over, reseason and all that. 
took um, it down to the metal. But most of the time, um, when I'm done cooking with my cast iron, you should just be able to wipe it down. Yeah, it should be able to wipe make out. Make sure it's clean and that's it. Heat it up, reel it. Yep. And reseed. I'll, I'll, I'll always, always, when I, even if I'm cooking cornbread or biscuits, I wipe it out, put a little more oil in it, wipe it around, get the excess out, stick it back in the warm oven. I just cooked in, let it sit there. Do you think it affects cast iron to cook it over, um, like, using fire. it in the green big green egg? Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe possibly that fire does, you know, cook some of the – what it would do is cook some of your seasoning off of it. So but it's be, only but, be hitting the bottom, right? Yeah, yeah, it's only hitting the bottom. Yeah. But what I would – I mean, I don't know. I don't doubt it because it's made for – I mean, it's not like I had it in the fire. It was probably yeah. five, 600 degrees right there. I, imagine. I don't know if that's that hot. I had my grill at 550, so – well, that's I mean, a good. That's something to think about. Yeah. I need to look at it, and see if it's you know do anything to the if bottom. It's warped of it. it, yeah. Because <clears> I mean, we bring it right back inside and just go right back to using but, it. Yeah, I wipe it out, re- clean it up, know, yeah. boil it, re- put it in some heat a little bit, and it's good to go. So I've done that thousands of times. I think maybe you need to be older to appreciate cast iron because when I was younger, Probably I had so. some, and yeah, you couldn't dishwash them. You can't dishwash them. They're a little tricky. You got to kind of learn how to use them, how to cook you with gotta them. You got to care for yeah, them. Yeah, and you got to yeah. care for them. It's definitely something that requires some care. I would say that. Yeah. I mean, and time. Time. Yeah. And attention. And those but things. done right, it's the best piece of cooking equipment you can have. You said that about. <laughs> said that about what? Grill grates earlier. That's the best piece of barbecue equipment <laughs> other than the grill and a thermal works. Just to read thermometer or a dot or something. Well, um, tell me real quick before we run out of time. Key, key accessories that you get our must haves. Yeah. Um, how's your fantasy football going? Um, one and one. One and one. My number one pick is on the IR. He's out four to six weeks. Where is he at? What's he doing? Does he he's have the right No, he's got a tore up ankle. Oh, okay. So he yeah, hurt himself. High ankle sprain, I think it is. Who is it? McCaffrey. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I picked up somebody else. I picked up Saquon Barkley because all these players went down last week. I've never seen a week of football where so many people got hurt. But I picked up, jumped on the waiver wire, picked me up some backup running backs, picked me up another tight end. It's one of my backup tight ends went down, and it's just a scramble. I don't. Yeah, that's the big thing about. I won. Football. You, I scored you got a lot of points last your, week. <laughs> you got one win under your belt. I'm happy. What upcoming plan? What upcoming plans do you have? SEC starts this weekend, and <laughs> I'm going to the sports book. I'm excited. It's going to be a fun day. Our have, one one time a year day is going to be this weekend, and I wish everybody could come with us because it's going to be we're going to wear our mask. Do you know what bets you're placing? I've started looking. Yeah. Yeah. Who's your lock of the week? What's Mountain? Oh, man. Big Mac's lock, lock of the, of the week. week. LSU. LSU. Over Mississippi State. <laughs> Did you pick that one for any particular reason? Lock of the week. <laughs> lock of the week. You heard it here first, folks. But bet the house on LSU. No Coach kidding. Ed, go Tigers. <laughs> Are they playing in start? Really? I don't know no. where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where it's at, but I know it's going there. Florida's probably going to beat. Oh, Miss, even worse. Yeah, that's my lock. But of the is week. that your lock of the week? And what about? Oh, here's one for you. I want. They got like Tennessee a... favored over South Carolina. Oh, really? Who's going to win that game? I would say South Carolina. I don't know. I don't know what these teams are looking like. 
Yeah, but it's a safe bet to bet against Tennessee, <laughs> especially on an opener. I don't know if they've won one in the past 10 years. That's a they're good. always – I think they're ranked in the top 25 once again. That's my lock of the week. It's South Carolina? Yeah. You going to bet it? I'm, uh, yeah. I'm gonna I think bet Miami's going to beat Florida State. They pulled I was I was I was gonna say Notre Dame big over Wake Forest but that game's off I guess they postponed that game. I don't know what oh really? Yeah. Um I just I barely I got to look some. Yeah. I'm starting to make some notes. Who I wanna bet on. Well, I was more I love this weekend. It's like one of my favorite weekends of the year. Every weekend. I'll get to bet on I'll get to bet on the Sunday games before I leave Sunday morning. And then I might make a Super Bowl bet, a you know, futures bet. Cowboys. <laughs> Is that you bet hundred dollars on Cowboys with Super Bowl? That's not far fetched. I know they, they look good. I know going back to the night. Um, I was more specifically talking about cooking plans. Like, what's your recipe next week? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> You're too distracted. I'm too distracted by, by going to the sports book. No, I'm probably gonna do. Um, I want to do those chicken thighs. And I'll probably oh. make some chicken thigh tacos with them. Yeah. Or something like that. I want to make a fresh oh, yeah. fresh guac. Uh, maybe make uh, my version of Poncho's Tropical dressing. Oh, yeah. I'm some, liking all this. Some boneless, skinless thighs. Okay. I think I want to vortex them, though. I don't know yet. Last time I did them on the kind of did a reverse sear where I put them on a pellet grill and then seared them. I don't really want, I don't know if I, I can do that with a PK. They'd be pretty good like that. But yeah. I'm thinking they'd be really good on vortex. And cut them up, kind of like grilled chicken tacos. Yeah, with some goodness with them. Maybe some white beans or charro beans. The um the time you cooked them a few weekends ago for dinner, they were they excellent. Were, yeah, whew. yeah. I did a flat iron too, so I had kind of steak, chicken, build your own tacos. But I'm not doing steak this time. It's just gonna be chicken. Yeah, just for a quick recipe, something to throw in there. I love a good chicken recipe. They're a good, they're a great recipe. You can marinate them, put them on when you get up and go to work, throw them in a marinade, let them sit in the fridge all day, pull them out. Boneless, skinless thighs cook so fast. Have your other stuff ready, fresh, you know, fresh toppings. You got a quick dinner, yep. throw some rice and some beans together, and you're off, off to the races. <laughs> well, that's all I had today. Well, got, hey, I'm excited. I forgot. You're always excited. And you always, every weekend's your favorite weekend. Every holiday's your Does favorite it? holiday. I can't have it. I'm a happy guy, man. <laughs> I got to be All pumped your, up. I got to stay positive. Oh, you're I'm not letting this Rona get me down. And, <laughs> you know, wearing a mask at the Diggum Casino get me down. Do you really think they're going to make you wear a mask? All yeah. The time? I do. Well, if you'd like to connect with Malcolm, it's How to BBQ Right on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and of course YouTube. If you'd like to connect with me, it's Miss Southern Shell on Instagram. Well, hey, thanks for hanging out with us today, and I hope y'all had as much fun as we did. We'll see y'all next time on the How to Barbecue Right podcast. <laughs> Drop my bare white voice in there. <laughs> <laughs>